All right, what's going on, guys? John Zanis, Sherrod Blakely at the Garden, Bobby Manning joining shortly. Sherrod's Pistons fall to Bobby's Celtics. I've got a stake in both teams. Yeah, I know. I won. I was totally winning this game. No matter who won, I won. I know. Sherrod's DNA is 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 back in Detroit, but uh, you know now is now is his blood. He bleeds green, uh, you know, of late. So. Uh, one is not walking through that door. No, no, Chelsea Billups is not walking through that door. No, but apparently, uh, Dana Barrows and, and Antoine Walker and a random collection of, I guess, you know, <laughs> and Scal and Kelly Olinick and Leon Poe, it and was a bunch the, of other people. You know what? For, for those of us who just have this random fascination with Celtics for whatever the hell our reasons are, that was that was awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it was I mean, because as someone who grew up absolutely loving Dana Barrows to death, uh, it's always good to see him out there. And then you throw in James Posey and Antoine Walker and Paul and Scal. It's just like, wait, who the what? Yeah, um, it's good. To see, it's good to see the old, old timers, though. Good to see them. Come no, back. it was just funny. It's like somebody, you, you know, the Celtics had all of their interns just calling people up, like, "Hey, did you ever play for the Celtics? Yes, and and you're alive? Yes, and you're around? Uh, yes. Can you come to the garden? You know, like there just wasn't much rhyme or reason to the collection of people, but it was still interesting. And you love the old timers. I always love Antoine because. Um, he loved being here. He loved being a yeah, Celtic. He really I, did. I loved his energy, though he was a flawed player. It was really hard to not like him. Um, so I always have a special affection for Tuan. Uh, I love the guy Dana. you wish was here. Who huh? was the guy you wish was here who wasn't here besides Ray Allen? Oh, for this, yeah, I don't know. Good question. I would love to see Eddie House. Eddie was Eddie was in studio or something. I thought he was doing pregame. Really? Okay. I saw him on Twitter with his jersey. I think Eddie House is in the house somewhere. Good, I think he's around. Good. He's a good guy, good, good personality, ton of fun. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like my, Eddie. My, 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 yeah. The, my, my, the coolest thing about Eddie House was like after he got traded from the Celtics and we're in LA and he could easily just get the hell out of Dodge, he was like, nah, we could do interviews. And so this dude just got traded and he's willing to just like kick back and just shoot the breeze. Guys just don't do that. Uh, yeah. He's such a good dude. Such a good Eddie's dude. a good dude. And again, yeah, I do have a, I have an affinity for Dana. I grew up, you know, down the street from BC. Um, I followed that lineage of great BC guards with, you know, uh, John Bagley, Michael Adams, Dana yes. Barrows, all the way to Troy Bell. But when I used to go to BC basketball camp as a kid, I remember one time Dana was there working out. He talked to us, but I got to shoot around with him a little bit. I thought it was the coolest freaking thing in that the is- world. You know, he's, I'm, I'm, one of those few times where I was making a few and he's just kicking it back out to me. And I'm like, ah, so like, I love that. Uh, yeah. Dana's, yeah Dana's great. Dana's great. Um, so anyway, as for the game, you know, for three quarters, we were probably kind of building a narrative of like, what is it with these Pistons that gives the Celtics problems? And I don't think it changes much based on the final score because Detroit powered down. I don't even know the Celtics really applied any more pressure. Detroit started settling for shots. They just stopped falling. They were probably falling at an impossible clip through the first three quarters, and that's why the game was as close as it was. Um, But still interesting that this team really can go punch for punch with them. Again, it's hard to tell whether it's the style of play or they've just gotten really fortunate 
with just shots falling that la- the loss that the Celtics had right before the All-Star break was a was a game in which Detroit shot more uh better than 50% from 3. So again, I'm not really sure. Uh, I'll bring in Bobby here too, but you know, is there any what is it about Detroit that kind of annoys them? Do you think Sherrod? You know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Detroit relies much more on ball movement than I think a lot of other teams where you have, you know, great ISO player and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and great ISO players, you know, like, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan in Chicago and, and Zach Levine, whereas Detroit doesn't really have a great ISO player. So they have to swing the ball and, and Boston's defense is predicated on trying to get you to go ISO. They want you to try and score one on their five. And Detroit doesn't do that because they don't have guys who have that capability yet. And that's why I think they make Detroit or they make Boston work a lot harder defensively than Boston is used to because most teams are trying to get that mismatch and go to that. Where Detroit, they're not trying to fool anybody. They don't have it. And so they, again, they make Boston's defense work a lot harder than I think a lot of teams do. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, your first impressions of the game here? Another, I thought, fairly resilient game. You don't think that against the worst team in the league, but I thought they were in their own heads with the officiating for a while there. Certainly stagnant on offense early, sloppy turning the ball over and such, and not playing great defense at all in that first half. So a lot of that turned around late. Obviously, the fourth quarter was pretty phenomenal, and (laughs) you go from there. So five, Bobby, five points. From Detroit up until the 141 mark of the yeah. fourth quarter, with they almost without, had a, a sh- without a single field goal made, unbelievable. Yeah, there are a couple garbage ones late, but they essentially allowed no Pistons baskets in the fourth. A few yeah. free throws here, or there, and great transition play. I'm gonna yeah. give Marcus Smart a lot of credit because I think to answer the question you just asked, Sherrod, John, I think what Sherrod says is true, but also the physicality of Detroit we've seen in all of these games really gets in the Boston's they're head. They're fast even and they're no, physical, and they're Even athletic. with no beef stew, you know? Jeremy Grant's causing some problems <laughs> for Tatum. Brown, guys are swiping away at the ball. They're throwing the blitzes at Tatum. Smart was struggling with Cunningham. Um, yes. He, he was giving it back to him a little bit on the other end, being able to kind of work the post on some possessions. Um, but uh, defensively, uh, he was he was having a tough time in that first half. Again, Cunningham yeah, but he, just... He stood really, up well with the physicality of this game. He hit a lot of shots. He kept yeah. them in it when it got was to like great. a five to seven range. I thought he was the guy who really set the table for Tatum Smart to was go great off tonight. late. Um, Smart so, was great. Yeah, he fit right in. You get a oh. win here. You're not looking ahead to Dallas. It's all, it's all good back. stuff. Um, yeah. I don't think you come away with this game blown away by anything that the Celtics did, certainly. I think there's still a lot of things that they're going to have to clean up offensively out of this one. Uh, defense was a mess in that first half overall, I thought. Uh, so to turn around, win, close as dominantly as they did was great. And between the Charlotte game and the Detroit game, you have two dominant fourth quarters here where you're essentially holding both these teams to under 30% from the field. Right. And that's the whole thing. It's like, it's got this, you know, again, they've got this easy breezy feel where you're looking at how many, how many games in the last, in the last, you know, week or two, have they had going back to the homestand there where you started with Atlanta, you didn't play a great first half there, you know, and then, uh, you know, Memphis, you're going blow for blow and you blow their doors off in the second half, Charlotte. And now again here, um, you know, it's, 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 again, it's that thing good teams do, which is okay. It's going to be close. It's, you know, if, 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 you know, if we're even, we're leaving, it's going to be close. And then we're going to just kind of take over. A lot of that's coincided with Tatum's kind of, 
ability to take over games single-handedly, but also it's just like eventually they just kind of wear other teams down. And even if that, and we've seen it a bit, even if that defensive pressure, even if they're a little out of sorts or teams are hitting hitting shots, eventually it gets to them. Uh, and, and I th- do think they are just kind of wearing teams down the, the combo between that and then just Tatum just being ridiculous. This was this was such an easy breezy thirty one points for him too, you know. Everything downhill. He was so aggressive early and he kept them in it. It never got bigger than seven just because of how many shots he was hitting, especially inside. I mean, he averages six seven shots at the rim a game, and early in the second quarter he was the sixth. So yeah. he blew by that. I think in the end, uh, I'm gonna pull up his shot chart here. He ends up shooting a ton inside, finishing a ton inside, and physically doing it too. Just like last game, dunking quite a bit, getting out on the break. There's a real stylistic shift with him that we continue to see. Game uh, game more out. threes in the second half was more aggressive in the first half. Yeah. Um, he definitely. I, I think he did. Um, I think he took one, two, three, four, five, six threes in the second half. Uh, and 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 uh, you know. Let's say half of his field goal attempts were from outside the arc one for six and he scored you know four for six from inside the paint he was a little bit more aggressive early but just Sherrod again just the way he's getting there like just the way he's able to finish now through contact you know just stuff that he wasn't doing before he's still you know he's just got to stop with the complaining he's just got to stop just stop it's just let it happen but it got out of control He's not getting the calls, but he's just, it's getting out of control. It's, 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 it's unreal, but he's finishing through contact pretty regular now. Oh, Sherrod, I don't have you. Lost Sherrod. No, I, no, I, we don't hear you. Check, check, check your uh, input and see if that's uh, synced up with your mic here. But um, while, while Sherrod's figuring that out, Bobby, what do you think? It's, um, it's a lot of the stuff we talked about after last game. This is a very similar game, I felt like, the last one from Tatum. Obviously, it wasn't 44, but just the aggression. And like we talked about after that game, using his body to create contact inside rather than being around guys. It's the biggest difference from what we saw from him, especially two years ago, last year when he was doing that early. And then even early on this year, you saw him veering out of the way and being a little too finesse there in the lane. He's so strong at this point that guys – really can't stop him inside there. There's this one thing that Ime keeps doing with him that I love. They do this screen with Tatum. Remember early in the year, John, we talked about Tatum never setting screens, yeah. especially him and Brown. For I know. We, they never ran see- any actions, you know. But now, like, he's setting these screens that, like, um, you know, slide him right into the lane around the free throw line on smaller guys, and he spins around them or either backs them down right from that spot. And it just gives him a nice closer position of the basket. Yeah to start his possessions from. It's an incredibly effective play. He had a big shot over Curry last Sunday on that play. There was a big one in the Charlotte game down the stretch. Ime's loving that play because it's so automatic for Tatum right now. He just set a little switch, um, you know, slide right to the free throw line on a smaller guy, and he's instantly has a mismatch right there. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know what it is. You know, if it's just like the game has slowed down uh, a little bit, it's just like, just some of that stuff that wasn't working earlier in the year. Uh, he's just he's just getting to where he wants to go. He's just he's finishing so differently now, both creatively and you know and using physicality. Uh, it's completely different. There'll be times where I felt like earlier in the year he's headed to the basket, and you're like, I don't know if this is going to end well. And now, like I mean, that steal and that drive where he finished through contact in the end one was just friggin' up. Unbelievable. It's just stuff we weren't seeing from him. 
Um, I, and again, I'm he shocking. didn't have a, and it wasn't even a lights out game from him. This is what I mean is like, when we talk about Tatum and his ceiling, you look at a game like this, where he was like great in spots, pretty good throughout, you know, all in all, just a solid game. Didn't feel like he dominated and he still just scored an easy 31. I feel like he should fall into games like this all the time, you know? Um, and it, this is just who he, who he could be is yeah, I just I get he gets this in his sleep. It was ninety-two to ninety after the third. They just blew it up there in the fourth and Tatum. Yeah. Like I never thought he would be a transition player. You talk about the steal and the finish there. Yeah, because that's all, been killing us all that's been killing us for years. And the fast break that they're running is incredibly effective. I think yeah. a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with Tatum is him going from all that success early in the year, and he's talked about this throughout this season and just how easy things came to him and the team by just playing their style. Um, and then you have these last two years where they lose a ton of games. They're still trying to do the same old things in terms of how they approach the game. Now he's try- starting to try the things that Ime has preached and you know various people have tried to instill in him here in terms of aggression, playing with pace, getting off the ball. Did you see that play? He didn't end up hitting it, but he fired the ball out to the left wing on the drive. Got to the left corner, caught the ball again, got a wide open three. I actually thought he should have attempted a shot on that one. I love the fact that he does that. We were talking about how, you know, earlier in the year, there just wasn't enough movement. And you see that all the time with him relocating and people doing that and making a play and relocating and getting the ball back. So much of what we talked about is, you know, I do think that Tatum and Brown took so much on themselves early, which was, and I've always said this, I don't think they play an ISO style because they're selfish. I think they think that's the way to impact the game. But part of the buy-in was give it up, move it, move without the ball, go somewhere else, get it in a better place where you can score. And, you know, they've definitely done that. And that was a play where, again, you know, he did it. He whipped the ball out. He went over to that corner. He missed that three. I still think he could have probably gotten that shot off instead of the pass. But you love to see that. You love to see them kind of moving around like that. Yeah, it's a mentality thing for the team. And we get annoyed when Rob does it sometimes. Yeah, there's a couple of guys you'd rather be aggressive in spots. But Rob yeah, almost posted up today. Yeah, you, you have different guys for that. You'd rather see Tatum, who we know can be aggressive and take a lot of shots and score a lot, make those extra passes, whereas Brown – he's going to take a lot more shots and not move the ball as much. And Smart even is getting super aggressive, still moving the ball, but taking a lot of shots inside and being aggressive in those spots. So you have something for everyone there. You know, Rob, he's still going to kick it out from the lower portion of the net there and not take as many shots around the rim there. Missed a couple weird dunks too in this one. Hot start for him, weird second half where he just ended up missing a lot of point blank looks in there. Rob, that is. And, Oh, White, super aggressive again. Yep. Getting downhill in transition, forcing turnovers himself, good passing out of the corner. I know you like some of the stuff he does out of the corner there with hesitations and stuff. Uh, yeah. Killing extra clock and, you know, just making extra passes just out of smart. that position. Just smart, and it's patient, and, it, and he kind of does what he kind of does what is called for. You know, yeah. it's very rare where White will have will do something, and you're like, oh, man, you know, like, and even when you get frustrated with him, it's just because shots aren't falling, but most of the ones that he takes are quality shots. So, He's, you know, he's he's always kind of making the right decisions and making the making the right plays with the ball. But th- these are the types of games that we like from him. Uh, I'll give a I'll give a little uh, tip uh, tip of the hat to Jalen. I thought he was really out of sorts again to start this game. Um, 
you know, just an, you know, off shooting, um, couldn't get himself in a rhythm, got caught complaining in that play. And was it the first quarter late in the first quarter, he gets caught on complaining the to a ref, right? and, and he's complaining about something. And then Derek white passes it to him when he's not looking, it goes out of bounds. And the, the, the camera crew didn't, they didn't show a replay of that. That was horrible. Yeah. Uh, and he was just all off, just the everything. And he battled back in kind of the way that he does, which is just to kind of be aggressive. Yeah, it's the story of his season. It's been so weird. Missed free weird throws one. lately. Uh, sloppy shooting. One away from deep in this one. Right. Losing the ball, losing his handle. But then, you know, the bailout shot off the Tatum's pass at the end of the shot clock. Some of the looks underneath he got were great getting to the free throw line. And overall, I thought his defense was solid eight rebounds, still a big force in that part of the game, and certainly plays with a lot of pace that I think just generates a lot of movement for this team downhill on in transition. And he makes himself a target, too, for Tatum, which is important. Uh, part of the ball movement here, four more assists. He, it was a resilient game for him, too, because it was out of sorts early. I think everything you hit on there was pretty accurate with him. But I don't know. How do you get him back to being – Jaylen. So is this I've been thinking about who he this. Is this, so year? this is what we've been thinking about, and it's interesting because when Tatum's not going well, it, when you talk about who is Jalen supposed to be and how does he best complement Tatum, and at the end of the day, look, you're supposed to play a team brand of basketball, and the ball moves around, it ends up places, and there's different people out there who can do different things with it, and Jalen Brown is one of them, which is great. Um, uh, okay, uh, Sherrod's having some major. Uh, um uh issues with the wi-fi there so he may or may not be able to jump on here the, the celtics press room is uh jammed up right now uh maybe sharad i know you're still kind of there when the garden thins out a little bit maybe the wi-fi will be a little bit better and maybe you can try to Come hop up to the on. ninth floor party up here humming up here uh so we keep talking about who he's going to be and I, I was actually thinking about it all game when tatum isn't going great you, you always Brown a lot of times would save them with those hot quarters, you know, uh, and you'd have those really slow Tatum starts. And then Jalen Brown would get 12 points, 14 points. It'd be great. Um, and that was good because they needed it. But when Tatum is playing at this level, who's Jalen Brown supposed to be? And I, I, I almost wonder if like he might become a stand in the corner guy, wait for the pass, wait, you know, wait till the defense is drawn in other place and kind of, go back to that when Tatum is on the floor and when Tatum's not on the floor, he's a little bit more of the, um, you know, you know, take it himself and try to do, try to do more things than himself there. But it is almost kind of like when Tatum's going the way he's going, you kind of want to just give him his space to operate at this point. It is hard to, there's no way to do, there's no way for Tatum to do what he's doing now with the amount of time he needs the ball in his hands to be able to do it. And, Jalen to also do that because it's going to turn into my ball, your ball, my ball, your it, ball. It, it can't be the corner thing. I, I hate that. Not we quite the corner. The he's just got to kind of be there, you know, yeah. like he's well, got to be, be involved one of, in the action. He's got to be one of the four instead of, instead of, like I said, is instead of it being a trade off. I found T Brown, especially recently as Tatum has started to go off here, to be less of an active off ball player than Tatum is. Tatum, he's really, as we talked about with the screens and, the cuts and everything else, a lot of cuts off Rob last game on offensive rebounds, going down to the basket. That's stuff you wish you'd see from ground more. Making himself available, I think, a lot of the times is a challenge for him. It's been better this year. I think he's typically taking like 18 to 22 shots game like he did here. He's, his usage within the offense, I think, is where it should be. 
but it's just can he be in better spots to position himself to succeed? Certainly the shot isn't there this year, so you're going to have to do a lot more downhill stuff if you're him. And, you know, set a screen, slip into the lane. I think that's where Tatum's going to be used a lot of the time. But you're right, the bench usage for him is going to be key. And right now it just doesn't look like the handle's there enough to be able to be in a it's lead not, guard role with that group. It's not. But he's got to make himself involved in the actions, whether it's with Smart staggering in those groups, White. You know, I think White's still trying to find himself really with that second year. Overall, the bench, I know they've been dominant the last couple of months here overall, or last couple of weeks here overall. I haven't been thrilled with the bench. You know, White's played some good minutes. Grant's been up and down lately. And Trichard, I feel like he sprinkles in that one or two shots like in the second half. But up until that point, he's largely absent out of, the, out of these games. So you are seeing big minutes with Brown and Tatum next to each other, which is fine. Uh, but not really a ton of opportunity for Brown to either lead the second unit or be involved in those actions when Tatum's off the court. In fact, Tatum's playing so much. Like he goes out of the game for two, three minutes, and all of a sudden you see him running back from the bike right up to the stand when things start to go a few points out of their way a little bit. Well, you, you look at it. I mean, that regular rotation there, Bobby, has him yeah. coming out at the six-minute mark of the first, and then he usually comes – he's coming back in there. He hangs Very in fast. that second – you know, he gets in there pretty quick again. So yeah. you're right. I mean, things stagnate right now. And just the way it's working is, you know, the better he plays, the more dependent you become on him, which means the harder it is to operate when he's not out there because he's doing so much out there. So it, there's a catch 22 aspect to it as well, where it is hard to survive the non Jalen, the non Jason minutes right now, uh, because there's simply not enough offensive firepower out there. And Jalen can't play in a primary ball handler role. Um, I don't know whether that's a, a lot thing. of it's on Brown. He's got to yeah. be better. He's got to clean that up. He's got to limit the turnovers and he's going to hit the free throws again. You, you get again, overall, the season point. percentage isn't as bad. I mean, the fact that he's only the fact that he was a 50 40 guy last year, but still only shoots 76 percent from the stripe is strange. And this year he's down just a tick. I think it's 74 percent. It is odd, though. That seems like more of a mental lapse than anything because he's got a pure stroke there's no reason that the free throw should be free throw percent should be that low for someone like him football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code clns50 to get started and it's not just basketball okay bet online is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage it's the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, and I wrote about that years ago with him. He missed a big free throw in a big high school game that kind of ate at him for a while. And it was really a struggle for him when he first came into the league. He was in the 60s at points. I think you have the numbers in front of you there through the first few seasons of his career. So it's gotten better. It's just always been a issue. I don't want to say an issue for him, but You're right. it's, I'm it's lower at- than it should be. It's, you know, what's fine. I'm looking at him now. Uh, I looked at them earlier because I've been formulating my Jalen kind of take because a couple reasons. One, just watching this game and watching the last couple, but also I had somebody kind of DM me on Twitter just talking about whether Tatum, whether Brown is happy with Tatum's success here. And we've talked about this offline. You know, it's impossible to know what's going on. And I don't want to cause drama and just put 
thoughts and words into people's heads, but always the, the, the fear, not the fear with Brown, just whether Brown's going to want to remain is going to largely depend on whether or not he wants to be the Robin to Tatum's Batman at this point, because I don't know that it's any longer a one in one a thing. I think it's clear a one and, and, a, and a two and it's, and it's, a but doesn't it have line. to be, I think it has to be one whether one it a. does or doesn't have to be at the end of the day. It's obvious that it is, you know, there are some worlds in which LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both alphas in different ways. Uh, obviously Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think clear, you could go back and forth between those two. There's not a huge separation between them. There is a separation here, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if Jalen feels the reason there's a separation is because of his role, and if he were to go somewhere else that he could score 28 a game, make all-star teams after all-star teams, get super max deals, make all NBA, and what's holding him back is having to be here. And at this point in his life, that's what he wants more than you know, playing alongside a Tatum. It'd be different if they were winning, you know, but they're good. They, I mean, and now that they're better, it changes the equation. But when they were around yeah. 500, it's like, am I going to, what am I sticking around for to be the, to be the number two guy to this guy. And for us to be a 500 team didn't make sense. The more they win, the more that changes the equation for sure. But it is kind of interesting about like role and you know what he wants. We don't know what he wants. Well, it is good to have more established roles for sure. And there was, times in the past where we sort of go back and forth from being Brown Knights to Tatum Knights. And now you see a more defined Tatum centered offense and Brown trying to get in where he fits in, which I think he's doing a good job with. There haven't been a lot of games where Brown's been completely absent in the scoring sense. He's been so aggressive no. that he still gets that 20 point mark more often than not, which is probably all they really need from him. It's just going to be a little more efficient and that does fall on him. You know, he's, and the- see the comment coming through is coming back from the ankle injury. I think he pushed back a little hard. You can tell good, he's lacking a little bit of lift. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that that is a consideration too here. I do think he's going on a nice little run before that injury there. And listen, I think he's had a fine season. You know, there's just a little lapses from him sometimes. And I, I see a lot of the chatter and speculation in the chat. I think a lot of it's well placed. Sometimes I think, especially in the defensive end, it almost gets lost. I don't know if it's thinking too much. That's something he's talked about in the past on the offensive end for him, overthinking his ball time, his opportunities on the ball in those situations. And the hand has been an issue for, let's say, his whole career. Like Again, cleaned up a little bit at one point. I know. That's the thing. So, I mean, and for full honesty here, I know people get really triggered, you know, with this stuff. And I, I it's fine. I, it, you know, people get sensitive with some of it. Um, the reality, and, and everyone's saying, oh, ankle. We're not talking about the last three, four games. The entire season, uh, and again, I know he had a hamstring earlier. He's he's down. He's down in all of his metrics across the board um, over last season. Clearly, uh, it, it, by by every measure. Okay, um, and the eye test too. Um, last year, there were periods of time where he didn't just look like he was better than Tatum. He looked like he was a top five player. I mean, he carried them for stretches uh, at times last year, and certainly earlier in the year. Uh, and he was, and that was the second straight year where he had taken a massive leap uh, in terms of his overall performance. So for full disclosure, at the beginning of the year, one of our bold predictions and one of mine was, I I said Brown was going to surpass Tatum as the alpha on this team. <laughs> so for all the people out here who are like John hates on Jalen, it's not. I'm a little bummed about it because I'm disappointed in the way he's played this year because 
I thought Tatum was starting to plateau a little bit the last last two years. I felt like we're very much the same for him. And Brown kept getting better, not just in terms of the numbers he was putting up, but the stuff he was doing. His handle last year, at the beginning of the la- last year, was so much better than it was the year before. So it's so weird. And his head was up. He was making more plays. It's so weird to see this regression in in style with that sloppy, loose dribble, his head down, really not able to kind of, you know, keep an eye on what's going on and make plays consistently. Uh, it's I, I didn't expect him to, you know, to, to go in that direction. So that's why when we're hard on him, I'm like, what happened to Jalen? Because we're so used to him going this way. Yeah. And he had been, you know. Two years ago, he made two leaps in one year. So he's just, he just, he just kept getting better and better and better. And so this was a, it's been strange watching him this year. And I don't know how much of that is because he's been beset by injuries. You've got the wrist coming in, which kills his off season. And he started the season a little bit behind in that regard. Then the hamstring plagued him on and off. He missed a bunch of games and he wasn't right when he did. Now he's coming back off the ankle. So all of that's real, but you know. I think when he has been out there, his role is kind of thrust all over the place. Remember, there was a solid two, three weeks there where he was a lead ball handler on this team. And he had to hone in on that and making the quick decisions and running the pick and roll and all that different stuff. And we were sort of spinning our heads at the highs and the lows of that. Some real strides in that area, but it took him away from his bread and butter. And now he's settling back into that role. We've seen him a lot in the last few seasons. Sometimes I think it would be more of like a third role for him. And it still kind of is, right? Because Smart's the point guard on this team right now. And so Brown falls down that ladder, probably even behind White in ball time there. And he's got to find out whether it's almost that 0.5 second offense. And we've talked about this, whether the quick decisions would befit his style of play. He's kind of the guy much as Tatum, I'd say at least, who likes to dribble around and size up his opponents, certainly likes the transition game and getting on the break, but he's not a guy who naturally, I think, in the half court, that rapid fire shooting, making the next pass, he's a guy cutting like those quick decisions, especially off the catch, I think are tricky for him. He almost looked better when he was the lead guard. I know, I know you didn't like him in that role, John, but at least he had kind of time and space in that spot well, to size up the defense. The, the best thing about it is, uh, you know, the way they're playing now um, and that if there is another kind of like get right for Jalen, which is like whatever nagging injuries he've had, he's had get behind him and he peaks or he kind of regains, you know, last year's form at the end of this year into the playoffs. It's just another thing right now because he hasn't been great. He hasn't been, he, he hasn't been awesome. He's been good in spurts, but inconsistent. Um, so coming into I, the night, last 14 games back to the beginning of February, 19 a game, 28% from three, 47 from the field, which right. is fine, especially at that volume, 66 at the line, four assists, 2.7 turnovers. Yeah. So it's it's fine. It's acceptable play. It's just we're it's fine. It's we're, not, we're, but he's not. You're looking for what we say this every year. We're looking for expectations on this team. Are right. The expectation on these guys is not just that they're good. It's that they keep getting better to the point that, and we always use lists for examples where Tatum all of a sudden is clearly a top 10 player and Jalen Brown is in the 10 to 15 range. And you've got those two as your superstars who are better than everybody else's two players. Otherwise, you know, if they 
stay the same or, you know, go backwards, then they're two nice players. And other teams also have a lot of teams have, there's a lot of talent in the NBA right now. There's a lot of duos out there that are very formidable. So you want to keep seeing that arrow pointing up with Jalen. That's all. Um, but, you know, it is interesting in terms of role and how it is with Tatum kind of uh, rising has, the way that he is. Yeah, smart, smart almost has more of a refined role than him right now, yeah. especially. Uh, yeah. So you love that, but it, Brown's a better player. And you just wish there was a way. It's almost like that Kemba situation last year. Brown was a better player than Kemba, but Kemba was just more comfortable in that lead guard role, able to handle the ball, run the pick and roll, do the different things you need in that ball time. Brown, the, the, the defining limitation of him until he can figure it out on a consistent basis is the ball hand line. And he's really got to hammer That's that what down. set him back more than be, anything. Yeah. He's going to be an off-ball guy, and it doesn't seem like that off-ball style is conducive to him having the most it's efficient not. games that he can have. I mean, you give him the ball for a full game, he's going to score 40, 50 points and do it at 50% shooting. He's remarkable what he can do scoring, breaking the guys down individually, getting on the break and just being a high-volume scorer. It's trickier when he gets into lineups with Tatum there and second units with the – you know, less talent around him and all the different things they're asking him to do right now. It's, it's an adjustment for sure, especially as Tatum's volume reasonably keeps rising and rising here because he's able to do more and more on the ball. Like Tatum did the things in terms of growing his game as a playmaker that Brown just wasn't able to do early in the year. He's not. And it's, uh, it's all about the handle. And if we want to put it all on the wrist and you want to put it on other things, sure. I, it's possible. Um, absolutely. Uh, but that's, it's interesting to see, you know, what's happening there. But you'll still, you'll still take that 20 points on the side of Tatum. I mean, every night right now, that's your 50 points right there. It really just comes down to like, whether or not, you know, what the exact role is in the complimentary player sort of aspect thing. But I only ask it because I had somebody going at me today. Um, just saying, like, I don't think he likes it. I'm like, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that. I think he likes it. I think everybody likes it. I don't think he's looking at Tatum. Uh, yeah, because they're winning and they like it. So I disagreed with them um, that I didn't believe that. It's just when we talk about his future, a lot of it comes down to does he want to be that forever or does he want to go kind of sprout his wings at some point? So that's that's that that was mainly the conversation. Listen, I know the people, stats are, the people stats don't are look so good. sad about this. Oh, my God. The yeah, stats anyway. don't look good for him out of this game. I thought he played a good game. Rock I thought solid. he played a good getting game. In, that's why we brought it up. Yeah. Getting in great positions at the basket to score or go to the free throw line. Seven free throw attempts. No, no, nothing shabby there. Like it's, it's all good from him here. Quick decisions off the ball, recovering from those turnovers early, and essentially playing a clean second half and getting on the break with all those guys. It was, it was good stuff. And the team, they've really embraced the style that he's most comfortable with, it, it, running and gunning and getting stops and getting out there on the break. It's, it all forms well, and I think it helps him and Tatum connect more. But just to wrap up this conversation on Brown, are you continuing to see them play together? For the most I part, I loved it. Tatum found him how many times today? A ton, right? Those numbers don't pop up right away, but, you know, we'll, we'll pull them up when they do. But overall, ever since really Ime made an issue of that, I want to say early November, mid-November, it's consistently been around, you know, 7 to 10-ish, whereas early in the season it might have Wait, been like 3 Kess, to 5. Wait, is this Kess? Kess, I miss you if this is you, buddy. We were talking about you the other day. Um, <laughs> the, what are you um, talking about? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Man, the commenters hate this. They just do not want to hear real talk. I mean, can we can't nitpick? It doesn't matter. Again, we are, we, me, I am holding this team to a championship standard at this point. 
Yeah. It's going to be guns blazing if they disappoint here because they have built up a pedestal for themselves to stand on. You know, they're going to have some big-time matchups in this week against Dallas, Golden State. they got to stack up, and they got to play better than they did tonight at times yeah. to do that. And, you know, you finish strong here, you get two wins, you take care of business, you're happy with that. But yeah. uh, the standard is getting very high for this group, especially for me. I think they're going to win the championship. So you gotta, you're going to need more from Brown to win a championship. You are. Yeah. Um, so moving on there, rest of the game stuff. We did talk about Derek white a little bit, given the game exactly what it needed. He's had some nice third quarters, uh, and that was good. I thought smart was awesome. Smart, you know, uh, especially going up against, you know, Kate, the way Cade was playing in that first half, that was a, you know, um, that was, uh, How good was he? he was so good, man. And Just he- everything. You get on him late. Smart tried to make it tough on him. That was a battle early yeah, on. It was fun. That was two. fun to watch. Yeah, and he was going at it. Smart, oh, Rob talking pregame, essentially deferring to Smart on the conversation we had yesterday about the defensive player of the year. I know we didn't go too long on that, but it's become a hot debate in the NBA world over the last week or so here where the Celtics have risen up to his number one defensive status. Uh, is it Rob? Is it Smart? Is it Tatum? And yeah. Rob was asked at shooting around this morning, you know, where he falls on that, and he said Smart by far. Yeah, Smart's a defensive player of the year. We, I mean, he said if anyone on this team is, it's Smart. But that's yeah. what you know. Sherrod and I think we're in that. We're we're there, and I, I'm not sure who else. Um, I'm, agree I'm with still that. leaning to Rob, but man, like the points he makes, the stuff you see him do in this game, the organizational aspect, and that's that's a tough one, right? Like, how much do you weigh that as a voter? Because when you're watching, if you're watching and you're not going off stats, and a lot of these voters are going to go off stats because they're national and they're not watching every Celtics game, but he really is putting I, them all in the positions. I'm and, not a help. So I, like, I've never. I love what Rob does because it's impactful. But I always, you know, to me, I'm always going to favor the defender who locks people down versus the guy who's a great help side defender, you know, and, and wreaks havoc out there and, you know, alter shots. I know that's super valuable and having a person like that really gets in the head of a defense. Um, but uh, but just the ability to bug people and take them off their game, especially when they have the ball, you know, a lot in their hands, I think is a, that's why like to me last year, it was Simmons, you know, like I know everyone's like, go bear, look at the stats. I don't care. Ben Simmons. Go is bears the, the favorite again. in Vegas. I know Ben Simmons is the best defender in the NBA last year. He's frigging lethal um, because he can, or he can erase a play. He erases people. You know, it's, I mean, I, if, wouldn't you love for smart to get it? That would be such a validation for his career. Be great for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would put him into an upper, a new echelon as a defender all time there. And it would have been, yeah. And it would have been dream on this year. He was out of his mind, uh, you know, but him, him, him being hurt. Yeah, it's tricky. Hurt like, so that I think the Celtics deserve it, right? What they've done. Everyone's on this saying end. Rob's a contender. I don't think Rob makes an all defense team, but that's he's fine. on the, um, he's on the, I was looking at the odds yesterday. I think he's fifth or sixth in the odds, Rob. Smart's not even on the list, so that just sort of shows the big man bias cr- in this award. I, I can't stand that's that's a crusade of mine, Bobby. Yeah. I've been I've been railing against that forever. It's someone who can defend multiple positions away from the basket is more important than, than a shot blocker. I mean, he, he defends under the basket too, if you want to give him credit for that. I here's my thing, and this is yeah. where I fall on it, just because the Celtics are gonna get this award, I would say, because of the fact that they've separated themselves so far as the number one defense here over the, you know, two thirds of the season that they've been playing at that level. So 
what has taken them to that level? You know, they had smart last year. They've had smart in years past, and they haven't been the number one defense by far. Like, I think the key to what got them to that point is Rob moving that off-ball position and being the disruptor he is. And he's really got the numbers that you can sink your teeth into, whether it's like the 34 to 38%. Yeah, you're right. Between Rob's in terms fifth. of defensive field goal percentage. Rob's because this does end up being a numbers award, John. And, you know, Smart's got the steals. Like, he's way up there on the steals leaderboard, which could probably carry some weight. But I think people dive deep into the analytics on this stuff. And probably the shot deterrence that Rob creates in there, the shot blocking. I think he's top five in block percentage. Uh, steals, big with the steals and deflections in the lane. I'm sure he's way up there in those numbers, too. And really, that defensive field goal percentage against – like, I think at one point he was holding uh, offensive players to like 8% below their uh, value when he was defending them. And I, that's, that stat's a little flawed, tracking data, one-on-one stuff's a little flawed in there. But he really has like a great statistical case, I think Rob does, that people, I think most voters at this point are looking at this award through. I No, people, look, I mean, we know what Rob does. Um you know, and again, his his ability. Smart to, has the reputation, though. I know, right? but Rob's ability to Rob Rob's. You know, I get it. I get where it's coming from. Um, it is interesting just looking at those odds. There's a massive big bias. There. So what's the yeah? What are what are the odds? How they stack up? It's Gobert, and then it's um. Let me pull it up again. Gobert and Bam. Um, you know, uh, Gobert is still the overwhelming favorite as of as of recently, with Bam, Giannis, Jaron Jackson, and Rob tied for fourth, and Draymond still coming in at, uh, at sixth, even though he's uh, missed the last twenty games or whatever it is. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, we've seen silly stuff with, like this before with the All Star Game, and I know even on Dome Theory today, uh, James Edwards was talking about co rookie of the years. Could you give the Defensive Player of the Year award to the Celtics starting lineup? Just that unit as a whole, all five guys. That'd be kind of cool. Marcus is. I, I've tried to find one that goes deep enough to include him. Is fourteenth. Is Rudy really gonna win this year? Fourteenth. Fourteenth, tied with Drew Holiday and Jimmy Butler. Um, as far as bigs, what do you call Jaron Jackson? Four slash five. Four slash five. So I don't know if he'd fall. He might get. You know, I'm just trying to even think of all defensive player positions here because you're probably looking at rudy Giannis, draymond jaron and then who knows what Rob, is it a mixed bag like that they kind of do positions don't they they do but you might give two forward slots to Giannis and jaron jackson um and then you know try to find a couple of guards but i'm curious how that goes um because robert williams right now in terms of what you'd call a true five it is is up there you know i would have thought it would be close with Mobley and Allen also getting respect, but he's getting he's Jokic getting a lot. might even get some looks this year in terms of the weight he's carrying at that end. It's it's been an outstanding year for him on the defensive side of the ball too. Rob yep. might end up being a tough snub there. You're right. That I mean, is he interesting. Should, he should probably fit in the second. I, team. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's getting the national recognition. I thought it would, it usually takes a year after he arrives. So we saw the taste of Rob last year but it wasn't a full season's worth of use and he was kind of a, a limited player and he had some injuries. So usually someone who kind of, you know, breaks out in their first year doesn't get the recognition this quickly. So that's why I didn't think Rob would get it, but that's, it's interesting. That His stats are through the roof. He's got a great statistical profile. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, he did last year too. It's just, it was, it was, you know, somewhat limited. Yeah. His numbers, he... la- his numbers last year per 36 were even more impressive. Yeah. And, 
if, if you care about this stat at all, I think Tatum leads the league in uh, defensive win shares. So he's a big part of this as well with the rebounding and the length and the yeah. help side stuff that he does. So he certainly has a case in his own right. It's really That's why I bring up the unit as a whole. Everybody sort of invigorates each other in this group and they play off each other and they communicate. And if you want to award smart as the captain of it all, organizing it all, I think that's going to be a tough thing for voters to gauge who aren't watching it night in and night out like we are, but maybe his over, reputation overcomes that. It'd be very cool because I like who, who really was the last wing to win that award? Did Kawhi win it at one point? Probably. And Jordan back in the 90s won it. So there's exceptions, but overall it is a big man's, big man's award just because of the shot deterrence and the pain and just how important protecting the pain is to defense. Yeah, I'm trying to look back. Rudy, Giannis obviously wins it as not a true center, but it's Rudy, 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 three of the last four. Draymond and then Kawhi had won it two years in a row. But before that, Noah, Gasol, Tyson Chandler, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard, Garnett, Camby, Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace. Ron Artest is, a, is another small forward into the mix there as a 3-4. Then it's big, big Dikembe and Alonzo and blah, blah, blah. Gary Payton wins it one year as a point guard, the glove. Uh, Dikembe, Would be fitting Hakeem, for Hakeem, Hakeem, Hakeem. Rodman had won a couple as well, but you're right. I mean, it's insanely slanted towards uh towards uh towards bigs i think rob as my vote would be cool to see smart win it though just to join that class of the gary paytons and the jordans and the players that have done that on the perimeter because you know he's built that career he's built that reputation for himself and this really is i'd say like his victory lap season in that sense this has been the best he's ever looked defensively i thought rudy because of a down year they'd give it to somebody else it's interesting he's still the number one um but anyway, Rob. It's funny. Uh, people get tired of MVPs. They don't get tired of Defenders of the Year. I guess you just lock them in. You know, it happens because you don't want to spend enough time to do your research uh, and to figure it out. So a lot of people get the reputation votes. It's the same thing with baseball gold glove. It's like the year like, yeah. you know, you know, Paul Merrill won it when he had just like yeah, them up. 130 games as DH that year. And then Jeter wins a couple and he can barely move. He's got the worst zone rating in the league. Um so anyway, um, moving on to this one, not a ton more in this game. Like I said, it was kind of a, you know, uh, you know, up and down, so-so effort. And the Celtics blew their doors off in the fourth. Um, Want to look ahead a little bit here. Really fun, both the game. I, so what's interesting is everyone's looking forward to KG. Bobby's more interested in Luka versus Tatum. <laughs> Why not? Which is, fu- which is fun. Yeah, it's it's. These are the two guys. I want to see what uh, Maverick's PR tweeted out because they played tonight, I believe, as well. He did some amazing stuff, with the, which he just pretty much does every night. He has, as I like to say, the flamethrower out every game, firing from half court, making these amazing passes, scoring at will in the lane. And he has torched the Celtics in his career with all the games. He's got two game winners in his last three <laughs> games against them. So this is a guy you have to go out there and make a statement against if you're Tatum because these are two. The guys that are jockeying for not only top 10 position, but I'd say like right up there around the six, seven mark in the league, like Tatum and Luca are neck and neck in, in terms of the hierarchy in the league, I'd say. And Luca has him edged out just a little bit off what he's done so early in his career, not in the playoffs necessarily, although he's had those two grueling seven game series with the Clippers fully loaded there. But uh, overall, just the statistical profile that he's built up. Really, this young in his career had him borderline 75. Like when me and Nick were putting that 75 list together before the NBA did on Dome Theory, I was thinking Luca maybe. I was like, does he have the care? It's a little too early. 
It's early. Um, I'm, the thing that pisses me off about Luca is uh, he came in out of shape this year. This should have been Luca's year. Um, it he, he he threw away the first 20, 30 games of the year, shooting horribly, just clearly playing catch up and not able to get his fitness right. He's better now, but he's still not. He if this guy dedicated himself, you know, and got his body right. What was one of the reasons Jokic made up made a leap? <laughs> he got. He got his body right. That makes a difference. You have all the skill in the world. Jokic, doughy and out of shape, and 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 gassed most fourth quarters was was one a top five player in the league. As soon as he got himself even in good, decent shape, good regular shape. Look at Embiid when he finally Embiid. got his body right. Massive, massive difference, especially late in games. Luca, I don't get how this guy comes in looking the way he looks this year. That's an extremely frustrating. Especially thing. after the Olympics. Like why would he look like that? You don't know. I'm so baffled by it. I don't know why. Uh, why that is? Because uh, I, I, I think he could. I think he's just magic. He can do anything. Yeah, especially since he's gotten right. And there's been a lot of ankle injuries with him this year. He's been in and out yeah. of the lineup a ton. But he is. I think you said it after last game or a couple of games ago. Like best defensive rating in the league, and he's part of this unit that <laughs> I know is, is getting it done at this end. So we're really looking at two similar teams in the Mavericks and the Celtics that have hammered down defense. I think these are the two of the three best defensive teams in 2022. Uh, you have a lot of shooting off the ball, great ball movement, and it's all built around this one brilliant player tonight, 30-14-6 and six against the Rockets. But you can turn him over. Sometimes he doesn't have the shot. He's not the best shooter ever and the supporting cast around him even though it's gotten better since the deadline swapping in Dinwiddie for Porzingis has helped them quite a bit in terms of their movement and versatility there you still have a questionable cast of characters around him who kind of come and go in terms of their effectiveness you have the better team than the Mavericks it's just he's a daunting assignment you don't even he's know awesome and, and I know you're saying they're neck and neck the way they're playing now they're neck and neck I still think Luca is uh, I, I mean, my, again, we're talking about our bold predictions before the season. I thought this was the year that Luca asserts himself as the best player in the NBA and then holds that mantle for the next five or six or seven years. Um, and it, I think the slow start and not being in great shape is what kind of kept him from that. I think he's the best player in the NBA. Um, really? I do. He's better than Jokic? I mean, he's not currently over the body of work for the season, but if I could pick one person right now, I'd pick Luca. Um, I I don't I don't even think I'd th- I I don't think I'd have to think very hard about it. You know, I love my defenders. It just kills me the way he defends. I love him yeah. too, and yeah. I think he could be one of the best ever. But he's got to get a little better at that end, I think. Yeah. I haven't watched him a ton this year. I'm sure he's better if he's playing part of the system that's playing at that level. Um, be interesting maybe to talk to some people on the Dallas side going into this game because they've been amazing. And Jason Kidd, I think people question that higher. He certainly had the Lakers defense rolling in his years there, and now he has this defense rolling. And they were one of the worst for a couple of years there. So I think he's done a good job. Whoever he brought over on the staff there has done a good job with that group as a whole. And getting to Luca, I mean, they were tough on him in their own right. Luca ended up being tough on himself after that just – it's just that baffling entry into the year yeah. where he's just completely overweight. It's, I think they said he was 275. Yeah, it's so bizarre. So for me, it's Luca for skill or it's Giannis for like just sheer force of will mm-hmm. and just uh, just uh, the phys- the physical and everything about Giannis. It's I, I think it's I think it's Giannis the, might be the I was asking this. It's uh, those two for me. Yeah. I was asking this on Twitter. Who? 
And I mean, can... obviously, Jokic is friggin' unreal. I, you know, it's just I'm saying is like I'm just so amazed by Lu- by Luca. Just he's just almost everything that he does with the with the basketball in his hands. He's just a friggin' wizard. He's a general um, out there. Yeah, he's like a. He's got like that flair, the soccer player too that you love. Like he's I mean, so he's, good when he's uh, when he's hitting those long threes and stuff. It's like he's scoring a goal out there, and that sort of comes from his background there with Real Madrid and all that. It's he's a really fun guy. I wish I got to see him out there in Spain. I just missed him when I was living in Spain there. He just left uh, in yeah. the draft, so I'm thrilled. This is this is what I'm looking for. I know it's KG night. I know all the legends will be in the house, but these are two players at the peak of their powers right now. We're just going to be battling basket for basket. It's going to be incredible. And it's going to be another national showcase for the Celtics team. They obviously did a lot for their reputation last Sunday. And that win, if they win again here, I think you'll have even more people trying to make a popular case for them as unlikely champions this year as I have here. It's it's really starting to reach that level here with this defense and the way Tatum's playing and just overall the way they're moving the ball and everything like that. I, I can see them winning this one. I really can Okay. Um, and the other thing that everyone's really geeked up about, obviously Celtics are going to retire KG's number in a ceremony after the game, um, which should be cool. Um, and yeah, it, we it's looking like it's going to be the official reunion of the big three, which is just a really boring story that I'm glad we can finally put to bed. Uh, but everything about KG is awesome and it's going to be fun. And, you know, that's, you know, he he's the guy from that team. You know, he's the glue. He's the heart and soul. I know a lot of people were Pierce guys. Um, but, you know, KG's amazing. And it's just a thing about him. So I'm really kind of looking forward to what that's going to be about. The stories have been a ton of fun. Just people have been talking about it, um, uh, you know, in the last few days, just about there's just not a lot of people who've ever existed who are like Kevin Garnett. Do you have a story you like? Being no, I mean, it's not, I don't have a personal story. I covered the team extensively during that time. Um, and so that was a really interesting time just to kind of be here. Uh, it's just, it just to me, it's, the, I, I've never seen not just the success of a franchise change. I've never seen a personality change of a team so instantly as it did when he came in here. Everything became about what Kevin Garnett wanted the team to be it was automatic you know and and it was a total buy-in every single thing they were one thing and then obviously they got three great players together instead of just one so the talent was there but the entire personality of the team just became what kg wanted them to be uh it, it, i i don't know another athlete that's had that kind of effect on something as he did yeah I, just I like always... this is how we do things now and that's it i mean he was just and everyone uh, was either scared to death of him to disappoint him because he'd get in your face and he'd whatever, you know, freaked out by his intensity and in practice and at all times, but they just did it and they loved it. And th- that was that. And he took best thing about KG, you know, you got this, is a guy who spent, you know, he's not from here. He spent his entire career somewhere else. I love that. I love that he came here and this became his everything, you know, like, you love being, that he's going out as a Celtic. The Wolves being won't here him. and being a Celtic was big to him uh, and big to everybody. And it just kind of like created a vibe around this team that didn't exist uh, for, for, you know, d- that didn't exist before it and hadn't existed since the bird era in terms of just feeling good about the Celtics completely like 
re-energized and gave back that vibe of like the Celtics matter again. And like he took it and he ran with it. And honestly, you know, people who are critical of like the heart of the current team or, you know, players these days will harken back to 2008 and be like, those guys got it, you know? And like, you know, you want to see these guys starting to get that. Uh, and that's you know. what Eme talked about pregame is yeah. instilling that mentality in this team. Right. Uh, yeah, I know he's a Duncan guy. That's always the debate sure. for that era. So there's different ways. But in terms of like the intangibles that you instill into a team, whether it's Kevin Garnett's intensity and effort and Duncan's, I guess, fundamentals on that end of the court where you're just dominant and being in the right place and in the right time and all that different kind of stuff. I mean, they were too incredible players who really built something special in the spots they were in but that personality the ability to not only take over a room but take over an arena the way he did with that personality and the screaming and yelling and just the intensity being on 10 at all times you don't know how someone does that we see a lot of low energy guys in the league we've never ever seen someone approach his energy level and i don't think we will again there's never going to be another garnett you talk about guys that like are just irreplaceable i don't think human resources would allow it like i mean like (laughs) you know like you can't be that way anymore without people being like so you're kind of creating like well he didn't come in that way did he people would call it like a hostile work environment you know like you couldn't do that now yeah i think that's something that evolved over his career just looking back on it and reading all the stories and stuff because he didn't come in that way with minnesota that really developed within him and it was special. Like, that's a time you look back on. You're like, oh, you really want to enjoy every minute of that because once it's over, you're never seeing anything like that again. Same thing with the Isaiah stuff we talked about a couple of days ago. Like, it's just a special moment in time that you know you're not going to see again. A lot of stuff repeats throughout sports history. You see the same stuff, same stories, repetitions of history, underdogs, all that kind of stuff. But some of the personalities are just one-on-one, and he really is one of those guys. And I think everybody's always looking back and saying, like, can he help this guy? Can he make this guy more like him? Can he work with this guy? Like, you do like the fact that he's growing closer to the Celtics organization because I don't think there's a lot of players today that grew up idolizing Garnett, but everybody knew what Garnett was all about and knows how special he was and respected him in a pretty big way. Um, I think that's going to be powerful for the Celtics moving forward. Even Pierce in the building tonight. Like, there's a... There's a power to that, I think. Like, we talk about the alumni and stuff a lot and, like, how you can have some sort of gravity and allure around this franchise again. Those guys are going to help because I don't think you have a ton aside from that to really attract guys here. No, that's it. Uh, right now, the car- the gravity is Tatum, you yeah. know, but you're, you're right. It's, you know, uh, how far out of, you know, people's sphere of existence do you need to be to still matter? There's enough people who still get it. These guys watched you know, if you're a 25 year old kid, you know, that means what 14 years ago you were watching KG and Pierce. That means something to you, but another five years from now, and those guys are ghosts. So you're right. It is uh it's getting further and further removed here. So r- right now it still holds and it still resonates and it still means something. Cause like I said, is that before, I mean, I joke about this all the time. You talk about what it means to be a Celtic. If you didn't have 2008 and people had to go all the way back to 86, 87, 88, let's call it the end of the era, even though the last titles in 86, but you had to go back that many freaking years to show what the franchise was about, it might as well have been 1920 for, for, for all most yeah, people cared. Like a in it's my so far gone from people. If you didn't live it, even for a little, that means you got to be, 
50 or older to care, you know? So, like, it's too long. Without those 2008 guys, the Celtics would have been, like, exactly like, you know, uh, we joke about it, like, peach basket sort of era. Like, oh, yeah, I know they were good way back then, but, like, that's way, way back, you know? So, th- this this kind of gave them a little bit, gave the franchise that juice back. It was huge. And I know they had a little bit of a prelude to it tonight. Pierce was here. They yeah. did a legend line at half court. And I couldn't believe my eyes. Kelly Olynyk lining up alongside the Legends. I was like, is he joking? I was like, is he going to, like, sneak in here, like, photobomb and, like, run off? No, he was early in the line, and they called his name and everything. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, for the love of God, <laughs> Scal's out there, you know? It was unbelievable. It was like they Scal's, had- Scal's career high with Boston was four points a game, you know, like, and Scal's out there. It was like they scheduled the Pistons for tonight for uh, alumni night. So Olenek was like, I guess I'll stand out here. (laughs) He got right out of there, too. He knew it looked wrong himself in the Pistons shirt. (laughs) The whole thing was weird. Uh, Anyway, KG on Sunday, it'll be a straight, a different little programming note for us. So they're going to do it post game. It's going to take them a little while to set it up. So we're going to still hop up at the end of the game and we'll we'll do post game with you guys. Until the ceremony is really about to start. And when it does, we'll probably kind of like hang for a little, but we'll probably end it and let everybody watch there. Um, so we'll still do a post game right after the show. These guys might be doing something pregame as well uh, and let you guys, any anybody out there who wants to kind of be part of the chat, talk about Garnett stories. We might get Nick on there who um, get a look know, inside the arena. I know yeah, a lot of people are going to want to be in here. We'll be inside. We'll, we'll have a bunch of people inside the arena. So we'll give you a little look inside as well. So join us for that. If you want um, should be fun. I'll also mention because I always do um, check out our discord server, clnsmedia.com. Sherrod, who had some technical difficulties, I think is over there right now chatting with some people. So if you want to pop in and chat with Sherrod, Bobby's got some business to take care of at the garden. I may hop in there for a little bit also. Um, yeah, I'll go, while I'm waiting for the train, I'll hop in late at the tail yeah. end. So yeah. we'll all be in there. Yeah. So we'll hang in there. But, um, you know, it's always something fun to do. Uh, grow our community. we got a lot of people in there who just kind of hang out and chat with one another. CLNSmedia.com slash Discord. Uh, tell people about it. It's a great little space to just go in there and just kind of chat uh, and uh, and talk Celtics, talk hoops. So um, head on over there, sign up if you haven't already. It's great for us. In the meantime, uh, we'll sign off. Bobby Manning, John Zanis back on Sunday with the full cast of characters.